Some people, where's your red shoes at, man? I'm just glad his daughter looks like his wife instead of him. That's all I can say. Absolutely, amen. How many of you had kids that were at homecoming last night? Yeah, we had some of them, I guess a bunch at homecoming last night, and so uh, some of them may be sleeping in today. Listen, turn to the person next to you and just tell them you're the best looking thing I've seen so far today. <laughs> some of you are having a better, a better time with that than others. We've been talking about lasting love and uh, over the past several weeks, and we want to finish up that time. Not that lasting love finishes up. We don't finish that up. But we've been talking about lasting love and how to stay in love, how to, how to continue in this relationship as married couples. And we got that buzzing going on, but they're going to figure that out. Way to go, Paul. And uh, um, what we've been talking about hasn't just been applicable for marriage, but all relationships. If you've been over, if you've been here the past couple of weeks, what we've been talking about that we've been pulling from Scripture isn't just been for the married relationships, but all married, but all relationships in general. We're going to be in Genesis today. Why don't you go ahead and turn there? We're going to start out, and then we're going to we're going to be looking at some principles. But I want you to turn to Genesis chapter two, and we see that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and everything. In it, And then God created man, and after the creation of man, this is what we read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And Brian, and for those of you that do sound and lights and sing, we are so blessed. You, you just, you're spoiled. <laughs> you're very spoiled. This church is full of incredible talent. And we are very, very blessed. Thank you for what you guys do. Let me read to you today from Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 and following. And this is, what, this is what Scripture records for us. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Amen? That's right, men. Amen. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is, who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to man to see... Um, what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God uh, took out one of man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last! The man exclaimed. <laughs> There's a lot you can pull from that. <laughs> this one is bone of my bone, flesh from my flesh, and she will be called woe man because she was taken from man. This explains why man should leave his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in, into one. For the marriage that's on the rocks, for the marriage that's in trouble, for the relationship that is under fire, is there hope? That's a question. Would you pray with me today? Father, thank you for this incredible day, for the privilege that we have to sing about you, to sing to you. And now, Lord, we want to pause in the reading of your word and for the listening of your voice amongst us in this place. Father, I pray today that we would not only just hear the word, but there would be a clear message of hope that we have in Jesus and Jesus alone. That whatever situation we may find ourselves, whether it's a relationship within marriage, a relationship period where we're ready to walk away, I just want us to hear this today that there is hope. Jesus, may our eyes be on you, may our ears hear, may our hearts embrace your word today and what is said, because your word is truth. 
Holy Spirit, would you be the teacher in this room today? That's what I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever done something dumb? Let me finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let, me, let me finish that statement. Have you ever done something dumb in the name of love? Have you ever done something dumb in the name of love? And Meredith and I have been together an awful long time, and let me tell you, there's some dumb things we've done in the name of love. Places that I've been, things that I've participated in, things that she's done and participated in, things that we bought, things that we said we'd never do in the name of love. Steve, what are you laughing for, brother? <laughs> Steve would like to come share testimony this morning. <laughs> So, Meredith's not here right now, so I can talk about this, okay? So I remember, I may have to change, change what I say in the next service, but she's not here. I think it's okay, though. But, but anyway, I, I remember early on in the relationship, we just did some pretty dumb things. In the name of love, by the way. That's in the name of love. So I remember going hunting one time, and Meredith went along with me in the name of love. <laughs> Sitting in the deer stand in the name of love with the mosquitoes eating us up in the name of love. And every time she would kill one, I think they were just sending reinforcements. Every time there was one that was killed, I think they would just dive bombing us. This is way before what they call, what's that little thing now that you got that keeps the, yeah, thermocells. They didn't have thermocells back then. Listen, the only thermocell you had was some off and hope that you got enough on you and still they would find a spot. And they were killing us in the deer stand and she's just, I kept saying, shh, baby, we're not gonna see nothing if you keep it, man. That's all she was doing the whole time. And I don't think she was as mad at the mosquitoes as she was as me telling her she needed to be quiet. By the way, I don't think she's been hunting with me since that time. <laughs> but it was in the name of love. I think this year's maybe the year, I think we get back to it. But in the name of love, when we got married, we stayed in a one bedroom, one bath apartment. I think it was about 500 square foot. I mean, we tripped over each other just going to the bathroom, you know? Only thing we had in that apartment was a bed. We had a microwave. And we had a table and chairs that I had bought for $75. Yeah, $75. That's the deal. $75. Had four chairs at the table. That was all we had. Our furniture in the living room was, was, uh, was milk crates from, from uh, Winn-Dixie. But we were in love. And really a lot of things didn't matter because we were in, we were in love. We loved each other. But you know, as I look back and I reflect on over 35 years of marriage, it's really easy to get lazy, isn't it? Isn't it? It's, it's really easy to take our spouses and to get distracted over time. And if we aren't careful to find ourselves maybe in a place that we thought we would never be. And having said that, here's a question. Is it possible to experience growth in marriage or in any relationship when we ignore the responsibilities or the opportunities that we have? I mean, just think about it. Is it possible that we can experience growth when we ignore responsibilities that we have or opportunities we have? You know, if I don't cut my grass, if I don't water my grass, if I don't fertilize my grass, after a long, after a long, if I don't, if I don't cut my grass, I mean, my, my yard's going to look like a mess, right? I mean, you ever driven by somebody's yard and you go, what in the world? I mean, the bushes are all over just hanging, the grass is just all, I hope that's not your yard, by the way. But then again, you, you, you drive by somebody else's yard and it, man, it's just fully manicured and you're like, oh man, look at that yard. Well, I promise you, they didn't happen to get up one morning and go and surprise them. Look, honey, look at the yard. Look how nice it looks. No, that's not what happened, but there was an awful lot of attention that was given to that yard. An awful lot of attention. There was intentional time and effort that went into making that yard look awesome. Yet how many times do we spend time looking at everybody else's yard and wishing that our yard looked like theirs? When that happens, maybe it's time to pay some attention to your yard. Are we on the same wavelength? How many times are we always looking at somebody else's marriage and what they have going on and we're admiring their marriage when maybe it's time for us to get off the couch, turn off the TV, and get out the lawnmower, get out the fertilizer, and start doing some work on our own? But instead of being an intentional and putting in the effort, how many times do we hear the excuses? 
the excuses. Maybe you've heard them. I just don't have the energy any longer. I don't, we don't seem to love each other like we once loved each other. Um, followed by the words, maybe, I just don't know if we're going to make it. And then somebody throws out the D word. The D word. You've maybe heard it. Divorce. Yeah. I've heard the statement. Heard the statement one time to get a divorce because you ran out of love is like selling your car because you ran out of gas. Think about it. You know, to get a divorce because you ran out of love is like selling your car because you ran out of gas. If your car runs out of gas, you don't get rid of the car. You go down to the cars, you go down to the gas station, you get a little gas and you put it in the car. And if your marriage is running on low, low on love and attention, maybe you just need to go get a fill up. Amen? Maybe there needs to be attention, something that needs to be done to fill up the tank. And having said that, what I want to do is I want to go back to the passage, our focal passage sort of for today. I want to go back and I want to read that one more time. And this is what it says in Genesis 2, 24. This explains why a man should leave his father and mother and is joined. That's an important word, joined. You may have the word united depending on what translation of the scripture you have. Joined or united to his wife, and the two are united into one. That Hebrew word there, it means, it means to cling, joined or united, means to cling or, cling or keep close or adhere to. It also means to catch by pursuing with deep affection and devotion. So how do we go from being in love and this deep sense of pursuit and affection that we have for one another early on to the place of becoming discouraged and ready to throw in the title? How in the world do we get to that, that place? You know, when we talk about pursuit, there's a great story inside of the scripture that we've talked about many times over the years. But it's a story that has an awful lot to do with that word uh, pursuit. It's a story behind the names of the characters in the Old Testament scripture that we find Jacob and Rachel. If you keep, continue to read the book of Genesis, you'll find their story a little bit later on, probably in chapter 29. And it's how Jacob meets this girl by the name of Rachel, and he, and he falls in love. And Jacob was introduced to Laban, who was her father. And he wasted no time saying, listen, pops, I just want you to know I'm in love with your daughter. Man, she's beautiful. I'd love to be able to have her hand in, in marriage. I want to marry her. I love her. And Rachel's dad said, okay, son, I, I get that. I hear what you're saying. And she is beautiful, and I get that. But there's going to be a cost. There's something you're going to have to do to, to win her hand, and you're going to have to work for seven hard years. And you might think that's crazy, but we'll do some crazy things for love, won't we? Jacob didn't blink an eye. The seven years went by like seven days because Jacob loved Rachel. But Rachel wasn't the only daughter that Laban had. He also had another daughter, an older daughter by the name of Leah. In the biblical description of the two, Rachel was the one that was beauty, beautiful and lovely in form, whereas Leah had weak eyes. You can sort of see the picture there. In other words, Rachel was hot and Leah was not. I would assume that Jacob probably would have figured that out. And so Jacob did exactly what he was asked to do. He worked for the seven years so that he could marry Rachel. But on the night of the wedding, if you know the story, the father of the bride did a little switcheroo in the middle of the night. This is a whole nother sermon series. <laughs> because Jacob didn't discover it until the next morning. I, I don't even go there. I'm just telling you what the Bible had to say. But he didn't figure it out until later on. And then he goes back to Laban and said, what in the world have you done? And Laban said, listen, it's culture that the older one gets married before the younger one. And so I just forgot to tell you that. I'm so sorry. But listen, if you still want to marry my daughter, you're going to have to work for another seven years. Another seven years. Well, okay, if you want me to work another seven years, I'll work another seven years. Because I want to marry your daughter. He was willing to do it. And Jacob, make note of this, didn't work just another seven years to take Rachel as his wife, but Laban gave Rachel to Jacob, and they, he just continued to work for another seven years. And I hope that you catch on to what was just, I just said. In other words, he didn't work seven years, and then he was given Rachel, but he was given Rachel, and then he worked another seven years. Are you with me? Hang with me. This is important. 
Jacob stayed on and continued to work to fulfill the agreement to Laban for Rachel when he already had her. When he already had her. When he already had her hand. And you may not think it's a big deal, but here's the point. If you remember back to the dating scene, which for some of us is a lot longer than others, if you remember back that far, how many of us prior to the I do towards our potential spouse were a whole lot more intentional in what we did and how we pursued them? Are you with me? Yes. The dates, the calls, the cards, the letters, the flowers, the late night conversations. But it's easy to become distracted after the I do. It's easy. Life stuff. And I said this the other day and I made a comment on social media. It was just a comment, but it was, it was interesting how it was taken. And the comment was this. I don't believe anyone ever says I do with divorce being the ultimate goal. But all of a sudden there were all these comments and all these, all these um, thoughts about what was being said. But this, let me say it again. I don't think any of us ever say I do with divorce being the ultimate goal. Are you with me? Hang on to that. That's important. I don't think anybody gets married with the future goal being to intentionally hurt or betray their spouse. Yet how many fall into, into that path or that pattern? Having said that, what are some principles that we might be able to apply that we find in Scripture that are scriptural that will help us out in cultivating lasting relationships? What are some principles that if practiced would 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 lessen the distance between our intentions, which can be really good, and our actions. They not only apply to marriage, but they, but they apply to any relationship. And you can write this down. What are some of those? Number one, a willingness to speak an encouraging word. Write that down. A willingness to speak an encouraging word. What are some principles that we can practice that will lessen the dis- distance between what our intentions are, which can be good, to, to putting something into place, to acting upon it. A word of encouragement. You know, a word of encouragement goes a long way, doesn't it? Goes an awful long way. It means a, a lot. And I think you would agree that an encouraging word is valuable in whatever relationship that you may have. And if that's the case, we have to be willing to not just think about the good thoughts, but we have to be willing to share those good thoughts. Because why in the world would we want to rob somebody that we say that we care so deeply about? Why would we want to rob them from those good thoughts that would be encouraging? Scripture says this in Hebrews, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Words of encouragement are important, not just in any marriage, but relationships. Now, I want you to recognize that there are differences today between men and women. We've talked a little bit about that early on. But there's some differences between men and women when it comes beyond the physical, especially as it relates to communication. Men, let's start with you today. We started with women a couple of weeks ago. Let's start with the men today. Guys, you are supposed to pursue your wives when it comes to communication with words of affection. And some of you guys are thinking, man, that's no problem. I got that, baby. I got that. Words of affection. I can do that. Men, I'm not talking about sexual words of affirmation. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about, affection. Um, I'm I'm talking about words of affection that have no strings attached. Isn't that right, ladies? Can I hear an amen? I just got a big amen there out of the ladies, okay. For instance, your wife says, honey, can you help me with the dishes? I I might need a little help over here vacuuming. I I might need some help taking out the garbage. And your response is, hey, baby, you bet you. (laughs) But that's not all I'll help you with, you know. Wives don't like that. (laughs) Somebody just got a poke. (laughs) Men, as serious as you might be, that comment doesn't always go over like you think it does. But to lessen the distance between our intentions and our actions, men, we don't just need to tell our wives that we love them. We need to tell them why we love them. Why we love them. Why is it that something that the cost is so minimal that the benefits are so priceless that we would refuse to do? Did you get that? Why is it that something so important that would cost us 
It would be very minimal. I mean, man, this is a whole lot less than a, than a bouquet of flowers when you make a mistake, man. Something that could be so vital and so encouraging to your relationship. Why in the world would we want to rob our spouses of those benefits which are priceless? Man, I've told you before, I love my wife. I love my wife an awful lot for a lot of different reasons. My wife is beautiful. She's faithful. She's trustworthy. She loves Jesus. She loves our family. She loves, she loves me. She's talented. She gets, she's gifted. She's responsible. You, know, you have no idea how responsible is she is when it comes to, to, to taking the, a responsible role outside in the community when it comes to being a representative for Jesus Christ. I love my wife. She's valuable. Very valuable. But let me just say, it's really easy to take for granted what we have sometimes. Amen? We need to be reminded to share an encouraging word. Man, I want to do a better job at that. And so husbands, we need to encourage our wives with words of affection. Men say the words of, say words of affection. Men say that again, words of affection. Not sexual affection, words of affection. You need to remember that. Wives, what about you? Mark this down. You'd encourage your husband with words of affirmation. Ladies, say words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. You don't know this. I've told you this. I'll share with you this. But your husbands, your men, men struggle with the issue of insecurity. It's, it's not an unknown factor. And I'm not speaking just on my behalf or what I've read in the book. I'm, I'm speaking what I personally know. And, and if the tons and the tons and the hundreds, if not thousands of men that I've spoken to over the years, we struggle. Women, we need attaboys. We need affirmation. Instead of telling your man all the things that he's doing wrong, you need to stop, speak a word of encouragement by affirming him. And I'm not talking this is a one-and-done exercise, but I'm talking this is an ongoing opportunity for you to encourage your man towards greatness. Are you with me? Men, can I hear an amen? amen. No, 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 no. <laughs> you acting insecure again. <laughs> can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. I need that. I mean, we, we need those words of affirmation Men, it's important. Yet how many times instead of finding stuff to brag about when it comes to our husband, we spend all the time focused on the stuff that he isn't doing, the things that he should have done, the things that he should have been thinking about. Quit trying to be the Holy Spirit in his life. Pray for him to hear the Holy Spirit. I've heard this comment before. I wish my husband was the spiritual leader of our home. Yet how many times instead of praying for him and encouraging him, um, you spend all of your time trying to remind him of where he falls short. It's quiet. I need to say, may we pray? Ladies, you need to celebrate the wins. As big or as small as they may be, you need to celebrate the wins. You might say, well, I have a hard time finding something to celebrate. I promise you, if you spend time talking to Jesus and listening for the Holy Spirit's voice, the Holy Spirit will show you something to brag about. Honey, I'm so glad you brushed your teeth this morning. You had the most beautiful set of teeth I've ever seen. I'm so glad you took a bath last night. You smell good. I'm so glad you took a bath yesterday. You smell good, you know. There's always something you can brag about. You just may have to look for a little bit. But listen, you guys, we need attaboys. We need affirmations. And mom, listen, mom, mom, don't miss this when it comes to your sons. Men, don't miss the advice when it comes to your daughters. Don't miss what I'm telling you here. This is very important. The world can be falling apart. As long as Meredith is beside my side and she believes in me, I don't really care what other storm might be happening. Men, can I get an amen? It doesn't matter what's going on at work, what's going on in the ball field, what may be taking place. It doesn't really matter. If my wife believes in me and she's standing by my side, I don't really care. That's just the truth. And you might say, well, Sid, I hear what you're saying, but how in the world can I encourage my husband when I'm struggling to even trust him? And men, you might find yourself in the same place. 
And I don't want to get sidetracked because that is a reality. But what I do want to say is this. If I will spend time encouraging my spouse, my husband, that if men will pursue their wives with words of affection, and ladies, if you will pursue your husband with words of affirmation, instead of constantly reminding him of how he doesn't measure up, you will see growth in your marriage. Amen? Amen. Very much so. You will see growth in those, in those areas. If you're a business owner, Man, if you're a business owner and you, you hold the position when you're in leadership over others, I want you to understand the importance this place into those that you employ. Catch them doing something right and encourage them to greatness. Parents, think how we can initiate and use this when it comes to our kids. Be willing to speak an encouraging word. And here's the second principle that will close the gap between our intentions and our actions. Second one, when we see an opportunity to do something special, just don't sit on it, do it. When you see an opportunity to do something special, do it. James, the brother of Jesus, when writing the book of James, would say this. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and not to do it. Or we could say it this way. Quit sinning by just thinking about what to do, but lessen the distance between the intentions and the actions by doing what's right. When you see your wife is struggling to get everything done, get off your rear and get in gear, men. Ladies, you're supposed to say, hey, men. Instead of making a purchase for something that you, won't, that you don't necessarily need, how about seeing if there's something that she might need that might make her life a little bit easier? Vice versa, ladies. Instead of watching your spouse cook and clean, and how about just taking the initiative to help out? Bypass the golf game to spend some, entertain, spend some time with the kids entertaining them so she can get a break. I've been going to meddling, and I'm on, I'm, guys are going to be fussing at me, but that's okay. Instead of fighting over the remote control, which I call the TV turner, by the way. My wife says nobody knows what a TV turner is. The remote control. Give it to her. Don't just think about it. Just do it. When those ball games are on and you're like tuned in and she says, can I hold the TV turner? No! You say, honey, whatever. Here you go, honey. Write this down. If you want change, if you're expecting change, here's the third point. Let change begin with you. If you want change, let change begin with you. But how many times do we make excuses for the situations that we find ourselves in? We're really good about placing the blame, aren't we? We're really good about throwing it off on somebody else. Maybe you've heard or maybe you've said something uh, like this before in the midst of the conversation. If he, if, if he would only, or if she would only, if he would have done this, if she would have done that, if she would have just kept the house a little bit cleaner, if he would have helped out with the kids just a little bit more, if she would have spent less money, if he would have always been gone on that hunting or that fishing trip, if she wouldn't have always been so critical and demanding, if she would have just paid a little bit more of attention. It's easy to point our fingers and blame other people. But instead of making excuses... How about just taking responsibility? How about letting the Holy Spirit transform you? Because see, if you'll listen to him, if you'll listen, he'll help us. If you'll stop just for a moment to quit pointing fingers and making excuses for where you are and just listen to his voice. For those of us that are believers, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit lives within us. And I promise you, if you listen He'll give directions. Yet to know this, it's a whole lot easier. It's a whole lot harder to, to live it out. Guys, quit whining. Quit complaining. Step up to the plate. Take ownership of the position of leadership that has been given to us as men by our Heavenly Father. Lead our spouse and our family towards Jesus. Be an example. I mean, it's great that you bring your family to church, it's awesome. But I want you to know that influence goes beyond what takes place here on Sunday morning. That we're on, we're on the pedestal 24-7 people. Not just what happens here at church on Sunday morning. Our kids and our spouses are watching us 24-7 to see how we're going to live. Not just what comes out of our mouth. They want to see what we're going to do and how we're going to respond. And you may not realize this, but you and your family has an enemy. 
See, the devil wants to destroy you. It wasn't that long ago that I, and I've told you this before, man, I believe it with all my heart and you think I'm getting spooky, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, God speaks to me in dreams a lot of times. He speaks to me in dreams and he reaffirms things and he secures things and he brings, brings things to my awareness. And it wasn't that long ago, it wasn't that long ago that I had a very, very visual dream. And I woke up that morning and I, I asked Meredith, I said, was I talking in my sleep? And she said, oh, my word. She said, talking. She said, you were screaming at the top of your lungs. And I knew what I said. Because God had etched it in my mind. In my mind. And I just asked her, I said, can you tell me what I was saying? And she said, you were saying, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Master. Savior. Jesus is Lord. She said, you sat up in the middle of the bed and you just begin to scream those words. And I said, what did you do? She said, I moved to the side because I didn't want you to hit me. <laughs> she said, what was going on? What was taking place? I said, well, um, there was a knock at the door. And when I got to the door and I looked outside, the devil was standing outside. And I started telling him, Jesus is Lord in this house. Jesus is Lord in this house. Master, Savior, Jesus is Lord in this house. And he disappeared. And then I looked back to the back of the house, and I saw him trying to get in the back door. And so I ran to the back door, and I said, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, Master, Savior. Jesus is Lord. Listen, don't you dare tell me that the devil doesn't want to destroy you and your family. He's looking for any, he wants you to open up the door. You know, somebody, I was having a conversation with somebody. They said, isn't it funny that you didn't open up the door with the chain on it? You know, just peek out. He's looking for that crack, people. He's looking for a crack in your integrity. He's looking for a crack in the place where you're discouraged and you feel abandoned. He's looking for that so that he can destroy you. Don't you think for a moment that you can live without the support and encouragement of Christian brothers and sisters. We need to be surrounded by others that are moving in the same direction as us. Amen? We need to be surrounded by other people that value marriage, value relationships, see their relationship with Jesus Christ and the desire to obey them with all of their lives. Because the devil wants to destroy. Men, we need to stand up. Take the lead. Take advantage of every opportunity that we have to hang out with other men who are like-minded and seeking to grow. Ladies, it's the same for you. Because I tell you what, every time you've got a problem, there's another woman that'll tell you, I can't believe you stayed with him. Men, when you complain and get off with a group of men and you start telling about how bad you got it, I guarantee you there's another man that say, I can't believe you stayed with her. Because believe it or not, there's a world out there that doesn't value marriage. They aren't interested. They think it's all about you. God just wants me to be happy. <laughs> no, God wants you to be obedient. You can give up. You can walk away. But let me tell you something. There is a consequence to every choice that we make, good or bad. We're going back to Proverbs. You either go in this direction or you go in this direction. Which direction are you headed, towards him or away from him? Men, our wives are responders. I know that because God created them that way, and Meredith told me that's the way it is. <laughs> and when we love our wives the way that God intended, they respond. And when we serve our, ways that, our wives the way that God intended us to serve them, they respond. And when we lead our wives the way that God intended, they respond. Respond, And if you don't like what you're getting from your wife, maybe you need to consider what she's responding to. Amen, women? Amen. We laughed earlier about some of the dumb things we do when we're in love. And I promise you that if you and your husband, you and your wife are struggling, I bet if you look back in marriage, I, I bet if you look back, that there was some times when things were going 
well. See, I know that because that's why you said I do to begin with. See, that's why you went to the expense, men, of buying that ring. That's why, women, you went to that time and all of that to plan out a, a wedding and invite people to come. See, there was a spark. There was a time when there was a tr an attraction. And more than likely, if truth be told, you were probably doing something then that you aren't doing now. We on the same page? Yes. See, if we want to experience something special like you did before you said I do, then we have to be willing to do what you did up front. In the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, the book Revelation chapter 2 verse 5, we see the words of John when, when Jesus is, is speaking to the church. And John records these words specifically here to the church of, at Ephesus. And I know it's not in reference to marriage, but it surely applies. And this is what it says in chapter 2, verse 5. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works that you did at first. Look at where you were in reference to where you are now. And the principles don't just apply to life, but they apply to marriage and in any area. See, maybe you used to be closer to God than what you are now. Why is that? What's, what's, what's going on then that isn't going on now? What's the solution? Look at where you are now based on where you were. Reflect. And if you aren't where you should be, repent. Turn back to God. Well, what about from marriage and any other relationship? If you look back and things aren't the way that they once were, I want you to know that things may not be where they were because things aren't where they were to begin with because you aren't, you aren't giving the, it the attention that it needs. Some people say, but Sid, there's just no hope. See, you don't understand. See, our marriage just isn't on the rocks. It's already fallen off the rocks. There's no hope. I beg to differ with you people. Because with Jesus, there's hope. No Jesus, no hope. Jesus, there's hope. See, I, this is so personal to me because I wouldn't be sitting here doing what I'm doing if I didn't believe that with Jesus, there was hope. I believe it. I believe it with all of my heart. I believe that it's not only possible it is things, not, not it's not possible, but it is possible. See, with Jesus, there's grace and there's forgiveness and there's sacrifice and mercy. All things are possible with Jesus. And he can not only restore, he can make things new. Back in the Old Testament, we see the story of the Israelites. And, and it was a time of hopelessness that they were facing. And it would be the prophet Isaiah that under the leadership of the Holy Spirit would write these words. For I am about to do something new. See, i am already begun. Do you not see it? I've made a pathway through the wilderness and I will create rivers in those dry Wasteland. In those times when you say that there is no hope, in those moments when you say that there, there, there's just no way that God could repair it, there's rivers. And there's rivers of freedom and refreshment in those place, in that place of dryness, in that wasteland. But to get where you want to be, you got to keep your eyes up. To, to get where you want, would like to be able to be, you got to keep your eyes focused on the Lord on where you're headed not where you've been but where you've headed and if you want to have a lasting love and you want your relationship to be at utmost importance you can't let the difficulties along the journey to distract you or rob you of getting to where your destination is only God only God Your decision to keep your eyes on Christ and in the worst of times and the worst of scenarios and stay the course, listen, listen to what I'm telling you. It will not only change the trajectory of your life and your marriage, but it will also, it will also have an impact on the lives of your children and your future grandchildren. Do you hear me? See, your, your decision to stay together, your decision to stay the course, your decision to keep your eyes on Jesus amidst the difficulty, whatever it may be, man, it will change the trajectory of your life and not only impact your life, but your children 
and your grandchildren and the generations to follow. Genesis 2, 4, 24 again, this explains why man leaves his father and mother and is joined or united. The ones who pursue, they, they're clinging to one another to his wife and the two are united in one. And what God has joined together, let no man ever separate for God's glory. For, for God's glory. Because you see, love, love is worth fighting for. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me today? While your heads are bowed um, over these next few minutes that we have here, we've talked about going from being, from just good intentions to, to putting some intentions to action, to moving from good intentions to, to doing something. And we're getting ready to do something here that's really important, very significant in the life of this church family. We don't always have invitations, but there's always an opportunity to respond. And we've got some couples that are going to come, and they're going to be standing up front. I've asked to come this morning. They're going to stand up front. And what I'm going to ask you to do is, I'm just I'm going to ask you the question, do you believe that love is worth fighting for? Do you, do you believe that love is worth fighting for because if you do I want to give you an opportunity today to put into action what you say you believe if you desire for your marriage to be a reflection of Christ's love if you desire um, to stay um, in love and to have this lasting love that we've been talking about if you desire for, for your marriage to be a testimony of God's love and faithfulness and if you're committed to one another through the storms to keep your eyes on Jesus. What I'm going to ask you to do today as a married couple is I'm going to ask you in just a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to come. I, we've got some couples that are, that are down here that are standing and, and they're, just, they're just here. And what I'm going to ask you to do is, is, is a couple, I'm going to ask you just to come and just to grab one of them, just to grab them by the hand, just look them in the eye and say, I want you to know love's worth fighting for. Or you might be able to, you might just not, you might say, not say love's worth fighting for you, but you might just want to say, we're all in. Pastor said, we're all in. Steve, we're all in. Joe, we're all in. I just want you guys just to, to know that we're in as a couple. And then you can just make your way back to your seat. Men, I want to say this to you today. This isn't for your wife to grab you by the hand and say, let's go. Maybe you need to take your wife and set the example and set the lead and say, honey, let's go do this together because I'm all in. This is that opportunity today. For you to ask your wife to come is not a sign of weakness, but it's a sign of leadership. It's taking responsibility and ownership of that, of that, of that position that God has given us as men inside the marriage relationship. Maybe you're here today and maybe you're single. Maybe you're a teenager, but one day you desire to be married, to have a family. You don't have to sit this morning. Maybe you come this morning and you say the same thing. One day I want to be married, but I want to be married. I just don't want to look for the right person. I want to be the right person. Maybe that's what you say today. Just to come down, just look them in the eye and say, I just want you to know I want to be the right person. I'm waiting for that day. In preparation for the day that I'm going to be married, I want to keep my eyes on Jesus, preparing, preparing myself for what's next because I believe that love is worth fighting for. And I know that during this time that there's going to be an awful lot of movement, and that's okay. And I know it's going to be chaos, and that's okay. But I don't want you to move because somebody else moves. I want you to move because you're serious about what's going on. And then there may be some of you that come down and you just don't say love's worth fighting for, but maybe today what you say is, would you pray for me? Would you pray for us as a couple? And we wanna give you that opportunity too, because we need to be surrounded by as many people that are fighting for marriage as possible, amen? Amen. And so this is an opportunity for us to, to respond. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me if you would. I'm going to ask you to stand, and then I want to pray, and then we're going to sing the song. And while the song is being sung, it's the opportunity for you to respond. And at the end of this, I will close us out in a time of prayer. Father, I'm just praying today that as we're gathered in this place, that there will be many, many that, that 
desire to come to say, I, we are committed to our marriage and we believe that love is worth fighting for. Jesus, we're all in. And whatever storm it may be that we may be facing today, I want you to know, Jesus, that we want to keep our eyes on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. a house we enter in, then commit to never leave. So lock the door behind you and throw away the key. We'll work it out together. Let it bring us to our knees. Love shelter in a raging storm. Love is a peace in the middle of a war. And if we try to leave, may God send angels to guard the door. Oh, love, it's not a fight, but it's something worth fighting for. To some love is a word that they can fall into. But when they're falling out, keeping that word is hard to do. Love is a shelter in a raging storm. Love is peace in the middle of a war. And if we try to leave, may God send angels to guard the door. Oh, love is not a fire. Something worth fighting for. Love will come to save us if we'll only call. He will ask nothing from us but demand we give our all. Love is a shelter in a raging storm. Love is a peace in the middle of a war. And if we try to leave, may God send angels to guard the door. Oh, love is not a fight. But it's something worth fighting for. I will fight for you. Would you fight for me? shame just plays let me say this if you don't if you never have committed your life to Jesus it's hard for you to understand what's going on here but when you've given your life to Christ and you've received his grace it's a little bit easier to understand listen as believers, we're going to have difficulties in marriage. Amen? You're going to have difficulties. But your relationship is worth fighting for. 
Don't ever get to the place that you isolate yourself and you listen to the voice of the devil because he wants to destroy because he's looking to a way to get in because he wants to destroy you. And you got to say, mm -mm, not in my house. Jesus is Lord. And men, that's your responsibility. Jesus is Lord. Women, quit trying to control your husbands. Give him some attaboys. Encourage him. Celebrate the wins. Men, listen. Those words of affection, they're so important. Let's encourage our wives. Let's understand it. Man, maybe God has positioned us here not just to do church on Sunday morning, but to come together so that we can be encouraged, so that we can go out into the world and be a light. We need to be a beacon for this community so they know that love's worth fighting for and that Jesus is real. And you know how they see Jesus? Not in just what we speak, not in the, in, the, in the social media platforms that go out on Sunday. They see it in our lives as it's lived out daily, 24-7. You know how your kids are going to know that Jesus is real parents because what they see in us? They didn't say it was perfect, but they can know that Jesus is real because they see it. Keep our eyes up. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And man, I want you to know that, man, the blood of Jesus covers everything. There's no place that you can go that the love of Jesus is not there. It's there. Father, I pray that as we end up our time today, what a time of encouragement. Lord, I know this is hard. This is difficult. But the reality is that our marriages are under fire. There's so much that culture today is, is against marriage. Father, help us as is your children to be a light to the world saying that marriage is right. It's good. Didn't say it was perfect, but it's right. And you designed it. You created it. Help us to understand the benefits of, of a lasting love and what it's like. And not just to settle for, for just the distractions that come our way, but to constantly go back to before I said I do and to practice some of those things that we did before we ever were married. Father, help us to not become discouraged. Father, help us to be encouraged and help us surround ourselves with other people that value marriage as the scripture teaches us. For the blessing we have to be a light to this community, help us to do so. For the person that is here that doesn't know Christ, would even today be that day that they cry out to you to say, Jesus, save me. Save me. I recognize my sin. I believe that Jesus died for me. And Lord, today I want to give my life to you. You can make that decision right there where you are. Father, thank you for the privilege of being your children. Now, may we be your ambassadors as we walk out these doors so that the world may know in Jesus' name. Amen.